Welcome back to Cathode Ray Mission. It's me, Randy, Big R Hire, coming to you live from Oklahoma City. And as always, joining me via satellite, Will Scoville. Hey, man, how's it going? I'm doing well. You're in California. That's the one thing I meant to say, too. Yeah, I'm in in Berkeley. Um, I finally got vaxxed. At least my first dose. Oh, really? You got your first dose? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I got it on Thursday uh, as of this recording. Um, yeah, and it hurt. It hurt my arm I, <laughs> really bad Yeah, uh, for like a night, and then I'm fine now. So um, I'm really happy I'm finally halfway there. Hell yeah, dude. I mean, even after that first shot, it's just such a peace, peace of mind, you know, to like yeah. if you have to be around people or whatever, it's like, well, at least I have the first shot in my body. Yeah. Nobody can take that away from me, you know, like, yeah. And I, um, I have not gotten a haircut since right before the lockdown. Um, and over the summer, I shaved my head. And then I kind of had my wife tr- try to trim it up a little bit, a little bit. But other than that, I have not had a haircut. And my hair is longer than it has ever been in my life. And I said, I'm not getting a haircut until I'm fully vaxxed. And so now that is in sight. Mm. Um, it's not for like almost another month, but yeah, like I am going to get to get a haircut and I'm about ready for it. I did notice you were getting a little bit shaggy there. Yeah. It's the worst when like, if only you could go into one of those sleep chambers in alien from basically when it's right to your eye to being long enough to be fully pulled back Steven Seagal style. Yeah, I, I can get a little ponytail, but it's like it doesn't get everything. And so there's still shit that gets in my face. And I yeah. really, I mean, I don't go out very much. So it's not a huge deal. If I was like going out still, I would absolutely have gotten a haircut way sooner. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. For now, I just, I don't need to go through that. But. I am getting ready. I'm very ready for that, for a fresh haircut. So, I hear you, man. It's in sight. Well, well speaking of haircuts, our movie. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> we're back after a week off after our one year celebration. Oh yes. Um, how did you feel after doing those two episodes? Well, the back dogs. Back? It was crazy, man. I mean, that was a crazy thing we did. The dogs of 81, you know, I don't know what the numbers are, if those were our least popular episodes of all time or what, but they're okay. <laughs> they're on par with uh, some other ones we've done. With whatever. Yeah. I mean, we're not doing this, you know, we're not doing this for the likes. We're doing it because <laughs> it's fun to get crazy, talk to your buddy about movies and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'll never forget it. It yeah. sticks in my mind. It makes me it makes me feel like the same way that some project that I hated that I felt like would never get done, that I yeah. stressed about the grade and stuff. When mm-hmm. I think about it, I have the same feeling, you know. Yeah, it was like it was you I really didn't want to do it, but it was like I I'm it was, I made it my responsibility to do it. It's like I got myself into the situation and at a certain point, you know, you have to see it through because you've committed, you've made like, you've kind of crossed the line where you can't go back anymore. And, uh, that's, we were definitely there and I was like, oh my God. And I got to watch six, six movies and, um, it was not fun. No. And so taking a break for a week and coming back. Yes. We both decided to pick some stuff, to watch some stuff that was a little bit more uplifting in a sense. Yeah. As in, it was a, a much better movie. So, Randy, <laughs> what what do we got this week? Well, Will, it's a movie I've been wanting to do for a long time on here. A movie that won Best Picture a few years ago, and in my opinion, is one of the only movies I've ever seen that I think truly deserved that award. We're talking Barry Jenkins's. Moonlight. Moonlight. Uh, yeah, uh, a very famous Best uh, Picture uh, winner because uh, for a very short period of time, the award had gone to La La Land. Um, 
Warren Beatty, remember he had announced mm-hmm. the winner of the best picture for that year was going to La La Land. Everyone was on stage. And then that dude ran out, soy bomb style, and said, you know, no, the winner is Moonlight. Come here and yeah. get your award. Um, which was pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, you know, for a movie like this to, to get a win like that, a surprise, a very surprising win like that. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, what, I mean, I don't know much about Barry Jenkins outside of this. Do you, have you seen anything else he's, he's done? No, he made a movie with, uh, Wyatt Cenac, who is like a funny comedian, but, yeah. uh, that I've never seen. And then after this, he made a movie called If uh, Bell Street Could Talk. There's a, hmm. I think it's, it looks like Beale, but I think you pronounce it Bell. I might be wrong about that. It's based on a James Baldwin. Hmm. No, I, I think when it came out, I was like, well, I'm going to read the book first. And of course, I never did like you did yeah. with everything, you know. <laughs> uh, so I've never seen that one either. I should watch it because I think this is like... Damn, who is this guy, you know? Yes, seriously. And the writer, um, I was looking at him, uh, and I'm going to, I'm sorry about this, Terrell Alvin McCraney. Um, He has his other, he wrote this other script. He's a playwright apparently, but he has this other script called High Flying Bird that Steven Soderbergh uh, directed. And he shot that one on an iPhone doing one of his Soderbergh things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to see that one too. And that was like about basketball. Hmm. So that's a basketball story. Um, so I'm curious about that one now too, after watching this again. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. How do we, do we get into it? I mean, we should we I talk guess, about what the like, movie is, I guess. What, like, when you first saw this, what was your expectation? Okay, no, that, perfect. Thank you for bringing me back <laughs> into reality here. Um, no, this movie came out, in what year did this come out? 2016? I think 16, yeah. Okay, whatever, that was one of the worst years for movies ever, in my opinion. I think when we get further out, and we can really look back with clear eyes. I mean, I'm seeing it with clear eyes right now, but like, I think the world will recognize that as being one of the worst years for movies. That's the year that me and my friend, uh, Big Lee, who you know, someday maybe we'll have him on here, uh, we went and saw Now You See Me Too in theaters. And we both thought it was like fun, you know? And we walked out, and we were, but we both said, well, if that's like, you know, the worst movie we see this year, then it, we're probably in for a good summer. And that was the best blockbuster movie that came out all summer, in my opinion. That was a hugely disappointing year. I think that might be the year of, like, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, and stuff like that. Like, I mean, just, like, huge failures, you know? And uh, this, so this came out... And another mutual friend of ours, James, he gets press screeners and stuff. And he was like, do you want to go see this movie? And um, I usually, like at that time, my job prohibited me from going to any of those press screeners. But this one happened to be like at 11 in the morning or something like that on a Friday. I was like, it just worked out perfectly. And so I got to go. I had no idea what the movie was. I decided to not read about it or anything. And I remember sitting there. And for the first, like, couple minutes, I just was thinking, like, is this movie good, you know? And then about 10 minutes in, I'm like, is this movie, this movie seems like it's really good, you know? But, like, I just wasn't, I just, it'd been hurt so many times that year, you know, at the movies. I wasn't sure if I could trust the movie. And about halfway through, you start to realize that you're, you know you're witnessing something that was made at the hands of a master, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's a good movie. So if you're unfamiliar with, with the, the story of the movie, it's, it's really kind of simple. It's, uh, it follows this character who goes by three different names, um, and is identified as three, uh, by three different names, um, at three different points in his life, uh, as a little kid, as a teenager, uh, and then as an adult. 
and it really follows the relationship of him, various relationships he has uh, with um, his mother uh, and then kind of a surrogate mom and dad that he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this guy, Kevin, um, who is a friend who, should we say that in the middle of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, he to. gets a hand, he gets a hand job on the beach from this dude, Kevin. And it's this like, you know, this kind of romantic through line that starts when they're kids. Um, yeah, it starts when they're I've, little I've, kids. I've, yeah, There's that moment the when they're I've little kids. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, well, th- yeah, this is the second time I've seen it. So the first time I, I didn't quite, I was like kind of going with it. I didn't know where that was going to go. And so I didn't even realize that that was Kevin when they were in that first section when they were little kids. Mm. I didn't realize that he was in that first section as well because I really wasn't paying attention to that yet. And... You know, this time around, I really got to pay attention to that and see where that story went and how those, like, points were laid out kind of throughout each of the stories. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he kind of follows through these, you you follow him through these three different points in his life. Um, and in each point, he kind of has this different name. And these uh, people are present in different ways in his life. And you kind of get to see him develop. Um but the clear, like at the very beginning of the movie, you're not really sure who the main character is. You're not really sure what the point of the movie is, the, 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 the story of it, the, the conflict or anything. And, you know, it's, it's easy, it would be easy to kind of make a movie that you would get lost in, that you're like, okay, what, okay what, where, are we, where are we going? Mm-hmm. Versus this movie, which you are... It, it is somehow so compelling just watching everything, just wait, just letting it all unfold mm-hmm. and being that kind of slow burn that, um, like, like you said, like you're about halfway through it and you're like, well, okay, wow, this is really something I'm ready to go wherever this thing takes me. Yes. Um, so, uh, that really hit this time watching it. So the second time around and it's like. I think that's going to be a thing every other time I watch it as well. Oh, yeah, dude. I You can watch it over. This is about the third or fourth time I've seen the movie. I think I saw it twice in theaters and then once when it came out on video or whatever. And now again. And, um, yeah, watching it again, I'm noticing all these other. I mean, it's just like it's truly like everything was thought out. I think everything in the movie is meaningful. It's not necessarily like the plot falls apart if you take out any certain part or anything like that, but everything is thought out so, so well. And it's just, I don't know. It it really blows me away. Like when you you start out with this guy played by... Uh, Marshall Ali, who's from True Detective, and he won an Academy mm-hmm. Award for this. And he's that performance is so good as Juan. But then when you get to when Chiron becomes black in the third part, he's like fully emulated Juan. And Juan's only in the first part, and it's referenced that he's been killed or something because he sells crack and stuff. So you assume I don't know he was shot maybe on the street or something. And I don't know, there's just, and then going back to like the little boys, there's like this part where Chiron touches Kevin's face and just there's this moment of pause that like, oh, it's like, that's probably like a, mo- a formative moment for Kevin, you know? And like just watching, watching it again, I picked up on all these little like details. And so, I mean, I noticed some of that stuff before, but I don't know, it's just, Noticing how rich the movie is, I guess, this time watching it. Yeah. Yeah. The One of the things that I really noticed this time, especially it is especially in that first section when, when I was first watching it, I really didn't know what I was supposed to follow. And it just it just kind of like unwraps in the second watching and like, oh, OK. And so, yeah, there is that when they're kids and it's that moment where uh, he touches Kevin's face and then they they roughhouse and that's kind of their moment to embrace each other and kind of 
kind of unlock, you know, uh, like kind of release all the tension, the weird mm-hmm. sexual tension that they don't quite understand yet because they're little kids. And then, you know, when they're when they're teenagers and they meet up and and he's trying to hide from those guys who want to beat him up. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin finds him and tells him about getting a blowjob or something. Yeah. And it's just like that's him. I don't know, like being telling telling Sharon that he's like into him. Yeah. yeah. And it's a weird it's a weird way of telling him that because he doesn't quite understand it himself and and that's how he's telling him yeah. What he wants. And and then Chiron's dream, his sex dream about him is watching him have sex. Watching with him have girl. sex with him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he doesn't understand it either. It's a, it's like, yeah. It's so perfect the way that yeah. they depicted the confusion and stuff. It's, God, it's good. Fuck. Yeah. It's it, a good movie. It's, you know, when you, when you kind of see a movie like this where, uh, you know, your main character in all three stages doesn't talk a lot. And that's kind of a character trait. Mm. Um, of that character not talking a lot and kind of letting everyone else talk around him and tell that story that way. Um, I don't know. That's pretty incredible to like have a story like that where you can let it burn out that whole time without him saying much and kind of being the central figure of this, that everything almost like, uh, this is weird, but like a Forrest Gump almost. <laughs> like, I was thinking like Mad Max or something <clears throat> like that. That too, that, that in, in the way that he's not talking, but like Forrest Gump in that he just kind of walks into the situation and every, everyone else seems to be aware of it, kind of everything that's going on. And he's just kind of there mm-hmm. letting it shape him and letting it push him wherever it needs to go. Um, and so to have a a filmmaker that kind of understands visual storytelling um, that way to allow that to happen, to do that as well as it can and, and keep you engaged in that is pretty, pretty incredible. Absolutely. And another thing about this movie that I just think makes it kind of a miracle, honestly, is that you have six different actors playing two characters over three timelines and it's seamless. Yeah. Like there's a scene Towards the end, and I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to like talk about this on the podcast without crying. <laughs> so I was like crying through this whole movie. But like, you see him as black, you know, and he's like, he just seems like a super hard, like crack dealer, basically. Yeah. Just, you know, I mean, from the outside, that's just what you would see, you know. And then, but then when uh, Kevin calls him on the phone unexpectedly, and he sits up and shit, and you can just in his face, you can see him become a little boy again. And I just, I, mm-hmm. I think that acting, that actor is Trevante. Uh, I just had his name. Pulled. Yeah, I. Uh, I looked all these people up. Trevante last night Rhodes, too. and I think, God damn, his acting. That's just like when I think of good face acting, I think of the end yeah. of the long good Friday comes to mind with Bob Hoskins in the back of the t- cab or whatever. Uh, and this, this, I just, I don't know that whole, the way he's reacting. Cause the shot is just him. You don't see Kevin. It's just him listening to Kevin talk. And it's like, fuck it. Yeah. It's like, this movie is powerful. <laughs> very, <laughs> very good. Very good stuff. Yeah. It's just, you know, it, it, and I think it's where, you know, uh, Sharon is allowed to speak. It's very carefully placed, you know, it's like very, his stuff is like, okay, that's, there's a reason he's speaking here or, or doing anything. Even the point where, um, man, like where he, he comes back to, to school after getting his ass kicked mm. and like, um, breaks a chair over that dude's back which is so awesome and it's it is and you're you know, like wow this fuck is his life up but it fucking rules yeah and like that's the very end of that that section and you're like oh man and then cut back and he's all he's got the grill and the gold chains and everything and you know and then the way that he talks to his mother and at, at that age is mm-hmm. very different than you know how he allowed her to talk to him mm-hmm. at, at different points in his life mm-hmm you know, to the, you know, where 
she forced him to give her money that Teresa had given to him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just because she was concerned with her own shit. And then now she's like, for the first point in her life, gotten her shit together. It's, you know, she's trying to give him advice now, but he's not going to take it. And he's going to stand up to her now that, you know, mm-hmm. she's in a weaker position. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, it, and that, I think that scene occurs right before he gets that call. No, no, right after the, after the call, but before he goes back to Miami. Yeah, he talks to her on the phone, and then he talks to Kevin on the phone, and then he goes and sees her. I, th- I feel like, I didn't know if it was implying that she was in Miami still, or if she's in that might be it. or something like that, and he was like, yeah. killing two birds with one stone with that trip or whatever, but yeah. that scene, oh, when he finally sits with his mom, I... Travante Rhodes, I'm telling you, that yeah. actor is—he's got like that tear when it rolls down his face. It's just like yeah. shit is hard. It's so earned, though. Like everything yeah. in this movie is earned. And one of the things about this movie that pisses me off is that it's so hard to get people to watch. I don't know why. I don't know why, but it's just hard to get people to watch this movie. And I want to tell them that it's like if you saw the colors like the way this looks even and just the the fucking the camera moves like the opening shot where it's following um martial ali like and it's like it's handheld oh my god yeah it's just like framed in the middle like so elegantly it's oh it's so good it's just there's it's a con it is a it is a camera move with three people and it follows him, and then it spins around two other people, and then it comes back to him, and then, like, one of them leaves. And then I was watching that, and then at, at a certain point, there's a guy with, like, no shirt on who just walks across the whole thing in the background. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not just a dude in this shot. I'm like, that is an actor, like, that they just mm-hmm. had in the background. So as part of this big plan thing, they just had this guy walking, like, over and over again you know, getting this shot right. And it's mm-hmm. all one take and just like plot it out. And that's how that movie opens, you know, with just this conversation. And, um, I think it's, um, you kind of mentioned how in the thir- third section where he's, he's black and he's fully adopted, like wands, everything, you know, his his look and everything. Mm-hmm. But like the, from the very beginning, like what is, what is Juan's motivation to find little at the very beginning? Like he, does he see him being chased into that, into that building? Because it's just all of a sudden he takes the board off of the window. He sees and, the kids banging on the kids. Yeah. sees the kids on the outside screaming. Okay. Banging on the door. Calling him slurs and stuff like that. Yeah. Whatever, you know, like, yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's why he goes, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, and then, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, like, the 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 amount of compassion that he has for this kid that he just met, mm-hmm. that he's just trying to get home, but he's also like a drug dealer, and that causes like the 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 kind of the end of the of that first act. Yeah, that first story. Because yeah, he's also the one who is selling. Chiron's mom crack in his room, yeah. his house. Like, I mean, his and he's life not, is falling apart. He, yeah. He's not going to stop. That's his, you know, that's his life. That's his business. That's how he gets his money. And, you know, I think he, uh, Black falls into that. Uh, you know, he says even uh, after he went to Juvie, after he broke the chair over that guy's back, mm-hmm. that, you know, he, he, Fell into someone there, gave him a job once he got out, you know, mm-hmm. on a street corner and worked his way up, you know, because he's now, he's now got something on his record. What opportunity, you know, he doesn't have as many opportunities, so there's someone giving him an opportunity. But he also changes. He also, like, at the moment that Kevin calls him up, he changes back and he's like, mm-hmm. that's all a front, you know, and that's yeah. all 
And is that something that, um, you know, Juan has that talk with him in allowing, not allowing other people to give him names. Yeah. And, you know, is that, is that a name that someone else gave him? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the fact that black is the name that Kevin gives him in the second section that he takes mm-hmm. in the third, you know, is he, is he still black at the end? You know, cause that's what, uh, that's what, uh, Kevin calls him Yeah. when he first calls him on the phone. Um, you know, so it's, I don't know. The whole thing with names is really interesting and where he, it is, you know, what, what he, what he is choosing to become and who he, uh, and, and, um, what names he is choosing for himself, mm-hmm. uh, in each of these sections. So, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And that whole, I mean, that, that scene where he's teaching him to swim and like, that's the scene yeah. where he's telling him the story. He says, the woman is call, calls him blue, you know, and he's like, you know, but he's like, is, so is that your name? He's like, no, you don't, you choose your own name or whatever he says to him. Yeah. But he's talking about, she calls him blue because of the way the moon reflects off of his skin. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that runs through this whole movie of the way that the actors are lit and stuff. And like, God, everything is just so beautiful in this movie. The way yeah. every facet of this movie, but when they're sitting together at the end at the table, um, it looks as though the moon is reflecting like onto uh, black's like forehead yeah, and stuff. And I don't know, just like I was noticing a lot of like, specific lighting on their faces and stuff and this yeah this time i watched it and uh it's just so so good in the part where um kevin first gives him the nickname black he's like hiding out behind a fence or something and he goes as soon as kevin leaves he like goes to and he's like in front of a tarp a blue tarp or something that's like casting this blue light on him Mm -hmm. and then it cuts and it goes forward in the scene, mm-hmm. like him going home or something. And I'm like, there's that. And there was something else too that, that I saw. And this is apart from the the very last shot of the movie, which is literally him as a kid again. Yeah. And that's also, uh, uh, it's insane how it's lit. It's just, yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it, uh, I don't know, just uh, like uh, like in a, that that shot is incredible too. But that motif is like, I spotted it over and over again mm-hmm. throughout this whole movie this time, and I I really need to watch this again at some point to just like dig into those things a little bit more. Yeah. Um. So this is one that I think is going to have, um, yeah. Again, I don't know why it's so hard to get people to watch this because it's like lowest lowest uh, box office return. Of any best picture, or, or maybe the second lowest of any best picture winner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, not a lot of people saw it, but it still won best picture, which is pretty incredible. Well, I mean, let's be real. People hear, oh, it's a gay movie, you know, yeah. or oh, they see it and they're like, oh, it's a black movie or something, yeah. which is offensive. But that's that's what people. That's I mean, I'm sorry to say that's. Some people see that and they're like, well, I don't like those kinds of movies. And it's like, right. fuck you. Watch, like, watch this movie. And like, yeah. also, why don't you like those kinds of movies? Because like, I don't know. There's tons. I, I love, and more, more than this being like a quote unquote black movie or whatever, I, I love any movie that covers people who live below like middle class, like working yeah. class people and stuff like that. This movie has such a humanity to the way it depicts people who live in poverty and stuff and all of the apartment complexes and everything. So real. And just, that felt, felt re- just very felt real. So, like, it was so good to see that in a movie though. You yeah. Know? And to see the way there's a real sensitivity to the way yeah. that everybody is depicted in this movie. And I think it is a lot of, this movie does have a lot of kind of myth busting about, gangbangers and like that kind of stuff, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it, it, it showed them at school. It showed them it. I mean, it did have like the stereotypical mom who was a drug addict, but it was like her struggling with that and him struggling with that as well. And kind of the, the diversity of people who would be living in these areas. 
you know, and it's like not everyone is like this, this like, you know, this one type. Every every person is like this one cookie cutter kind of stereotype. You have all sorts of people living in these places. Yeah. You know, and um, and yeah, there was one specific shot of they're going up to an apartment. They're in an apartment complex. And they got these like stairs that kind of go up and then split off to the other two. Yes. And I was like, I have been to that apartment complex. Me too, so dude. I know. I was like, and wow, you never in a, ever see yeah. this in a movie. Like, That's real life. I was, when I was in, uh, this, maybe when I was in high school or maybe right after high school, I was at one of those apartment complexes in OKC at, at a f- friend of a friend's house, um, just hanging out. And, um, Someone came in and was like, hey, one of the buildings is on fire. And we went out to see it. And one of the buildings was on fire. Like, it burned down to the ground. Um, everyone got out. Nobody died. It was okay. But that's, like, a lot of people who lost, like, everything. And it was just, like, you know, there's some young people there. There was a lady who rescued her cat. There was an old couple who were there in their pajamas and robes. And, like, that was all they had now. And it was like, mm. oh, my God, dude. And... Um, you know, shit like that happens and it's just yeah. kind of like, man, and you know, some people are able to pick up after that, but those people are just, that was a kind of a mixed or low income housing unit. You know, it's like, yeah. it's going to be hard to, to pick up after losing everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have not had insurance on that, but no, yeah, I hear you anyway. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. There was just like that level of reality in this movie. And I'm just like, fuck dude, that's like, that's how people really live. That's, you know, when you see, you don't ever see that you see like really low, really scummy. And then you see like, kind of like the middle class, Mm -hmm. which is like friends where everyone lives in the, a really expensive apartment. Oh, but yeah, yeah. you don't see like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm making it. I'm, I've got a house. It's not a nice house. Um, and I don't know, like the the trailer park boys. I don't know. That kind of feels to me a lot of that, like people living in that area. It's like played for humor a lot, but like, yeah. I watched I watched uh, the documentary about Giuseppe Andrews and the trailer uh, town. Yeah, and his his movies. Giuseppe makes a movie is what that's called. I think. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just like that is just people who are dealing with it and the best they can. And he kind of roped them into making these weird fucking movies that are kind of exploitive, but yeah, um, they seem to, well, man, I don't know. <laughs> some of them at some point seem to um, kind of appreciate allowing them to do stuff like creative things. Um, yeah. But was, still at other points where it's very clear what he's doing in the, in the in those movies. I know. It was weird to find out that he's like straight edge and stuff like that. I was like. Oh, really? He oh. just see that to me made him feel way more like he's exploiting those people. That yeah. He, he is part of their community and stuff like yeah. that. But whatever. Yeah, I, I definitely had a place in time when I liked that kind of stuff. And then I just recently watched that because it appeared on Criterion, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, you talk about, you, you Randy, talk about stuff that's like too gross for you that I enjoy, like Ren and Stimpy and stuff mm-hmm. uh, that you are, just find too gross. And I enjoy it because it's like not real. It's not real gross. It's kind of just like made up gross. But this is like real gross. Um, and it's to the point where I can't watch his movies anymore. Like, yeah, I'm just like, this documentary was like the closest I'm going to get uh, like, I mean, like for the rest of my life. And I'm not watching trailer town just no. around to watching that shit, dude. I'm not going to show it to anybody either. Like not even like, no. Hey kid, you want to, you want to see some really crazy and like, no, I'm not. Yeah. No. I, I hear you. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, like, yeah, it's. That stuff is in Moonlight. That stuff, the the, the real kind of like view of like all these areas. So um, Moonlight's not gross. Just it's not, not gross not at all. To confuse the listener. No, it's just it is not gross. It is a complete opposite of of, of those movies. Yeah. Um, it's just that one little thing they have in common. Um, okay, I think we're about 
Good. You want to take a quick break and come back? Yeah. With the big roundup? Let's hit up that big roundup. Yeah. <laughs> rather have a day job than be a Pokemon mascot. Han Solo is clearly more attractive than Indiana Jones. I would take the Star Wars trilogy over the Matrix trilogy any time. The Legend of Zelda versus Super Mario. Who's better in bed, Jafar or Gaston? And would Thanos masturbate with the Infinity Gauntlet or not? Every week, Nerd Rage The Great Debates brings you the funniest comics, writers, and podcasters to settle some of geekdom's most divisive topics. Find us on Spotify or wherever you find podcasts. Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Annie. Have you ever enjoyed a palaver? Is it good to be the dog's dinner? Who is this Bob, and why is he your uncle? For the answers to all these questions, you'll have to listen to our podcast, Boo to a Goose, breaking down British and American expressions and idioms. We use them, define them, and explain their history, all in a short, digestible format. So go ahead and check out Boo to a Goose wherever you get your podcasts. Cheerio! That means goodbye. Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. Hey, how's it going? It's me, Big R. Joining me again, of course, is Will. We're here to do the big roundup now. Will, on a zero to five star rating scale, what would you give Moonlight and why? Uh, I thought about it. And I really was like, how am I going to rate this? What am I going to take off uh, for? The only thing I really uh, would take off for is the, the final scene where they're in that diner and Kevin is the only one working there. He's both the waiter and the chef. And I'm like, what, <laughs> what kind of fucking place is this? Why would he do this to me himself? too. I was like, why are you allowed to drink what? Do you own the restaurant? Yeah. I'm like, there are people still eating in that restaurant, dude. And you're just going to sit down. No, you're going to tell him to wait until you're off. You're welcome to hang out. Um, but you know what? That's not a, that big of a deal. So I'm going to give this a big five stars. I really, mm. really think this is a great movie. Mm. Mm. Well, Will, I probably, to no, no surprise to you or the listener, perhaps, I also am going to give this five stars. I think this is... An absolute banger. It's, to me, it's everything that movies should be and can be, you know? I mean, it, it's very moving. I guess it's not funny, you know? It doesn't have any, like, action. Well, it does have the part where he hits him with the chair is very action and awesome. But, I mean, it's just one of those things that's like, I... I have a hard time articulating to my frustration to people about like, well, do you think it's going to be boring? Like, what do you, what do you think it's going to be that's keeping you from watching this movie? Because if you like movies, you're going to like this. I promise you're going to like this. And I think yeah. a movie like this, a well-made, a movie that well, really well-made like this will like, um, make people more compassionate and stuff. You know, it's just going to like, it's going to, it's only going to do you good to see things like this in my, opinion. yeah, it's not, but it's not a message movie. It's not some hack. No, it's, it's, it's piece not of like shit movie. It's a piece I, of I, art. I was trying to find something that, that you could compare to this that might throw people off. And I was thinking about like precious and how that was kind of like packaged with a message, you know, 
Yeah. And this doesn't really have a message to it. It's just kind of its own thing and it's its own story and it it allows itself to be that. Yeah. Um, And that's fairly unique for a story told uh, about black people in America. Yes. You know, in, 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 a, in a movie that wins best picture in, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. where I feel that they are moving it towards a kind of social justice angle mm-hmm. where it's like everything that, that has a black person in it has to have this social justice angle where you're not allowed to just have stories about people living in, in this fucking country. Yeah. Which is like, this is one person's story. This is it. This is kind of like what happens, happens in this movie. And it's your job to just kind of pay attention and follow it wherever it takes you. Yeah. And I think that is what is so just unlike anything else in, in like that's been out right now, at least at this scale. And it's hard to find a movie that really compares to this in any way. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. But then, yeah, you take, you watch Chiron's story and then afterwards you start thinking about life, the universe and everything, you know mm-hmm. I mean? It doesn't, it teases out a lot more than just being like, being racist is wrong or yeah, yeah. And don't discriminate that, against gay people. It's like, it's so much more than that. Like, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't have that, that scene where it's like, uh, the, the white guy comes in and says the N word and it's yeah. like a defining moment in their life. And it's like, yes, again, because their entire lives are controlled by white people. And like, it's like, there's like no white people in this movie. Yeah. There's no, and it's none. And I'm like, that's great. That's that we don't need them to tell the story. And like they would not fix anything. Um, and it's just, it's an American story. It's just like a story about this, this person and what he goes through and yeah, yeah, it's, it's fucked up and it's not like, but you're not supposed to like pity him at all either. You're just supposed to follow him and see how he gets through it. And I don't know. It's so, it's unlike anything else that I expect to see at a Hollywood. And it's like, it really is its own thing. Um, well, well, do you want to get into recommendations? Then? Yeah, what would you recommend based on this? A movie I thought about a lot, a movie that we did while we were watching this that just kind of makes me feel like, I don't know, hopeful for humanity or maybe at least that this movie is about how you can be kind to people and so yeah. well now I'm thinking of another I was now I'm thinking about babe picking the city but I was going to say <laughs> uh straight story is a movie yeah yeah I I see that okay I I get straight story vibes out of this one when we were um, watching it and that like this is like a movie I mean straight story is also kind of a weird movie but yeah I mean what you were talking about like you don't see you don't see a movie like this about these kinds of people ever like Mm -hmm. you know you just don't see you don't get to see black people and communities like impoverished communities and stuff in this light or depicted this way in movies like hardly damn ever you know and like without it being like yeah a movie like an after school special type movie that insults your intelligence you know I mean this is just like a real kind of illiterate feeling movie, I guess, you know, it's art. It's very, it's extremely good. It doesn't talk down to you either. I know that's a cliche thing to say, but it really does not. It it gives you these. So, okay. We can compare this to like a Terrence Malick movie where Mm. I feel like in a lot of cases, Terrence Malick is trying to say the same types of things in his movies, but he's kind of a maximalist in the way that he's like, okay, well, first we have to start at the beginning of time. And yep. so <laughs> instead we start, you know, when this, this, this kid meets one, you know, um, that's the beginning of our story and does so kind of on a budget almost compared to like Malik and does so, so much more effectively, I think, um, than anything that Malik has done recently, you know, mm-hmm. um, and set it in a very real space and let you know, don't like drive in the music. Don't drive in just like 
different shit and still being very quiet and kind of very floaty as well. Um, so I don't know, just like, I would say watch a Malik movie mm. and you know, a recent one, just pick one and see how it compares. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you on straight story as well. That is, I think a very good comparison to this kind of, it's a different, uh, subject matter, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you were going to go with like a literal subject matter, I think I also got a lot out of, uh, uh, you know, Brokeback. Um, oh which, God, that movie is amazing. Like that, dude. yeah, and that and that is uh, our boy Ang Lee. Yeah. Um, who is doing a, a a movie very different from Gemini Man? Um, and kind I was of, like, wait, why is he our boy? I couldn't remember what movie we did. <laughs> Gemini Man. That's right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, just like that, that is really showing the kind of the versatility of, of, of him as a director. Um, cause that movie is great, but it's told a very different way. Um, you know, uh, yeah. it's, it's a very different story about well, two very different people. That's also another movie that is about something like a hot, like just one of the hot button issues, but it doesn't treat it like it's like a, it doesn't, it's not like a weaponized, message movie it's just about mm-hmm. two men who are in love with each other and yeah like, and can only share it when they're in this space and they yeah. can only go there every so often so they, that's the only time they have together and then that how do they live their lives outside of that how are how are their lives a mess outside of that yeah. space that movie is fucking heartbreaking i know man and i'll toss in for a good lgbtq film um mysterious skin I haven't seen that one. It's a Gregor Rocky movie. I think I, he's, he's a great filmmaker in general who made a lot of good movies before that. But I think that is sort of his masterpiece where he fully matures and becomes something bigger and better than he ever was before. That's a great movie. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the main character in that. And that's just a terrific fucking film. That that's what I that I understand is like a big turning point for him. And I was down on on Greg Araki in like the nineties and the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. I just like I was like, no, I don't I don't want it. And then um I saw a theatrical uh I saw it in the theater, I saw Doom Generation mm-hmm. um out here in SF and I was like, Holy shit, man. <laughs> I did not expect that out of that yeah. movie. I am I'm kind of on board now. Um, I was also much older than yeah. I was in the nineties. So I'm like, um, but yeah, that was about like 10 years ago and I was like, okay, yeah. And, but I still haven't seen mysterious skin yet. That's like, that's been on my list for a while. It's terrific. I highly recommend it. Well, I think right, that we've said, I think we've said enough about moonlight. I think so too. We have a couple other um, movies that are a lot of fun coming up and our little peek behind the curtain. We're kind of recording three episodes today, kind of getting ahead. But I am telling you, please, I'm begging you, listener, to watch Moon, watch Moonlight. All right. Yeah. For the love of fucking God, just watch it. It's on Netflix until the end of May, 2021. Um, But I have, I've seen this like constantly on some streaming platform yeah. nonstop since it's it came out. It's been on, on Netflix video. forever. So that's it was, why on, it was on Prime forever too yeah. before that. So I don't uh, think it ever leaves uh, streaming. I just want um, everybody I want everybody that listens to this podcast and everyone I know. I don't I don't want I don't want to hear anybody talk to me about fucking movies if you haven't seen this movie. Honestly. Yeah. Like pull your head out of your ass and spend two hours and watch Moonlight. Anyway, that's my final thing yeah, I wanted to it, say about this. I just yeah, it's, it's just, watch this movie. It's just shy of two hours. It's it you know it's very compelling. Uh, Janelle Monet is in this and she looks amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason to watch this. Um, and you know it's it's like you're done. If you don't like it, you can just move on, man. It's just an hour and fifty minutes. You will. Though. I don't know you anybody that yeah, doesn't like this movie. Yeah, it was like once you kind of like experience it, you're like holy shit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, check it out. Um, big recommendation from me. Me too. So yeah. Randy, what you got coming up? Oh, chat pile. We imminently have 
uh, a split coming out with uh, Portrayal of Guilt, which is exciting. We recorded it a while ago, so mm. that'll be fun to finally have something new come out for us. Yeah. We're working on our album and stuff, but yeah, I mean, that's it. I hope everyone's getting vaccinated, staying mad, you know? Yeah. And just because... Just because we've got somebody who's less like in our face evil in office doesn't mean he's not evil. Yeah. Doesn't mean black people aren't still getting fucking killed by police and kids aren't still getting rounded up and put in cages and stuff. So stay stay angry, everybody. Anyway, Will, what do you got? Uh, I've got talkies every two weeks on uh, Zoom and Twitch. So... Uh, that's fun. That's still going on. I really enjoy doing that show. Um, who knew that the multimedia comedy show that I've been doing for almost five years would be uh, perfectly ported to uh, online streaming? Uh, boy, I could not have uh, asked for a luckier <laughs> break than that. Um, I'm glad I'm not doing some, you know, not to put any regular stand-up shows down, but I feel that it's like a stand-up on Zoom versus a real multimedia show that we're doing with talkies. Uh, we do a lot of crazy, we show animations, short films. Mm. Uh, people come in, do like weird PowerPoint presentations. It's the stuff we have always done on that show. It's just on Zoom now, and it, it's a perfect fit. So join us in the audience on, on Zoom. That's usually free, uh, but also on Twitch uh, is free as well. So we go both places. Um, other than that, uh, Nerd Rage, The Great Debates is a debate podcast, comedy debate podcast I do. Uh, that's a lot of fun, still going. Um, and we've, I don't know, we got more shit coming out. I guess season five is coming this summer. Shit. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, sub doc documentary reviews and I'm missing one. <laughs> Probably can't remember. Anyway, those are the big ones. Check those out. Uh, oh yeah. Cathode ray mission. Check that out. Subscribe. Oh, of course. Please. Uh, watch some movies and, and let us know. Uh, and that's it, man. Thank you for picking this movie. Uh, yeah. Thank you for making me watch it again. I haven't watched it in a while. Well, thanks for, you know, I do really enjoy doing this with you and we have never had an issue on like, if I want to pick something or if you want to pick something, you know, so mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm I think glad the worst we get I to do what we want to do. So the worst I do is like, hey, maybe we should wait on that one. And yeah, you wouldn't let me do a certain documentary I've been wanting to do forever, but someday, yeah, maybe we'll I'll just that. I'll keep bringing it up. Yeah, yes. cool. All right, man. So let's uh, shove off here to our next movie. All right. Recording. I'll see you next week, Randy. Till then, we'll see you.